Welcome to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am your host, Emily. I'm a Kentucky native, now Boston-based artist, researcher, spirituality, and creativity teacher. And I find absolute delight in the sometimes subtle, sometimes epic ways we as people discover our voices and begin consciously creating lives full of meaning and expression. Sacred Adventure Begin features stories from business owners to artists, lawyers to singers, yogis to professors, and many (laughs) in-betweens to inspire you in connecting the threads, themes, and experiences of your own life. I know that it can sometimes feel unknowable, insurmountable, and perhaps some of us feel a bit vulnerable in our quests for the deeper truths and meanings in our lives. Power and awareness lie on the other side of these pursuits, and it is my hope that these stories and conversations become engaging tools to bridge those gaps that we all have between intellect and heart, between mundane and divine, between fantastical and practical. I'm so excited to have you here sharing this space and being part of these conversations. Let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am so incredibly excited to have you here, and I'm so incredibly excited, (laughs) lots of excitement to go around, to share this interview today with Erin Johnson. I have been following Erin's work for uh, a long time. I've been taking her on frequent walks with me. (laughs) I, since I was, um, I mean, since before I even stopped being a professor, I would take lunch breaks between classes on Tuesday, Thursdays and go listen to the Living Open podcast and uh, and just absorb all of the goodness that Erin is putting out there in the world. As I mentioned earlier this week, this is, um, this is sort of like a, a part of this this episode is part of a pair that I had going out this week that related to themes of religion or religious trauma, which is what Erin and I are going to be discussing today. So again, consider this your trigger warning. Um, <laughs> but we're going to talk a lot about empowerment and uh, what to do when you encounter these types of things. And it's really cool because Erin has out a workbook right now to help people work through some of the things and the issues around growing up in a like strict and also possibly, again, I'm going to use the word possibly, uh, very limiting and damaging uh, religious background. Um, one that seeks to take your power instead of give it, which I, I really just um, am also recovering from myself and, it, and has been such a profound stepping into uh, no longer being afraid to use the word God or uh, no longer being afraid to uh, think about myself in a spiritual context uh, without all of the shame and the guilt that was put on me uh, in my religious upbringing. So Anyway, we're going to get into that, and I can't wait for you to hear it. I know it's an important message for so many of us out there. So I will just go ahead and hop right into the episode. Welcome, Erin Johnson, to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. (laughs) It's so cool to have you. Um... And I've already introduced you a little bit to the listeners, but I wonder if you might start by telling folks a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. Yeah. So I live in Philly. I'm a healing artist, which really just means that I facilitate healing work in an intuitive and creative way, which I really love, love doing so much. Um, I also write and I write poetry specifically. Um, And right now my work is really focused around creativity and around religious trauma, which I think we're going to talk a lot about today. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> it's like a big reason why I was like, I have to get her on the podcast for this. But also um, for the listeners who may just love spirituality podcasts, Erin runs a podcast called Living Open that um, covers a lot of topics, but has like a, a, a kind of like, I want to say like a big focus on um, astrology. And can you like maybe tell them a little bit about that too? 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so the podcast just evolved a lot. I've been doing it for almost five years now, which is so wild every time I say it, but it's true. <laughs> and it's really a podcast that is intended to support people in their healing. So yeah, we talk about a lot of different things from definitely astrology to tarot to witchcraft to somatics to creativity. It's like I think there are so many ways to heal. And so I love talking to a lot of different people about the things that they practice and that help them and yeah, having conversations, hopefully that support people and help people feel less alone. That's so cool. I was telling Erin earlier um, that I used to listen to her podcast a lot when I was still in academia <laughs> and I was doing a lot of healing and opening work as well. And it was, she was um, with me when I went on walks in, in the afternoons. I love it so much. <laughs> I actually really love hearing where people like have me in their earbuds. Like sometimes uh-huh. people say they're taking me on walks or like they're making art listening to me. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's kind of like I'm there, but hopefully not creepily, but <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't creepy at all. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, if you want to like go all the way into the ironics of it, I was a professor at a Catholic college. And so like, <laughs> and, and to be fair, also I'm, I'm an art professor. My experience in history is in uh, art history, contemporary theories, and then drawing and sculpture. Um, and the art department is notoriously liberal as fuck. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not like, uh, like, anyway, uh, what you might think when you hear that, but it was just kind of like interesting, uh, what institutions I ended up working with too, which is kind of funny. Um, so let's talk about how you got to be doing all of this cool, amazing stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And you can like start anywhere in the journey, in the process. Uh, but how do we get to where we are today? (laughs) Yeah. So hmm, I feel like I always start this in a different place, but I'll just say I, grew up in a really religious family. Um, I was Southern Baptist. My family was Southern Baptist. And I now refer to that as like evangelical Christianity, but I definitely wasn't thinking of that at that way at the time. And we can definitely unpack the whole deconstruction process, but basically I really stepped away completely from religion, from spiritual practice and was like, yeah, it's a no for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just, and like completely cut myself off from that part of myself, which I think I really needed, um, for a while. But then when I was in college, I started to rediscover spiritual practice, started to discover spirituality in a completely non-dogmatic and different way than what I was raised with, um, through yoga, through meditation, And that kind of started the healing journey for me. It really started to show me like, oh, I'm actually, you know, like when you think you think you're fine because (laughs) there's like not that much coming up, but then you realize like you're so not fine. And that's Mm -hmm. why, because like, (laughs) it's just like shoved everything down so far. (laughs) So that was kind of me. So yoga and meditation were like, oh, you're actually like really not fine. Like Mm -hmm. there's actually a lot going on beneath the surface that you have never felt and are terrified of. And so that really opened up that practice for me. And I followed the threads from there. Yoga and meditation brought me to a lot of the work I do now. I don't teach yoga anymore, um, but it brought me to Reiki. It brought me to tarot. It brought me to breathwork and somatics. Like it really opened up everything for me. It was the beginning of my healing journey. Um, so I'm really grateful for those practices, but yeah, that's kind of how we got here. Oh my gosh. You touched on so much stuff that I kind of like want to tap into. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, because I think it's interesting that, um, and, and I know that it's probably this way for a lot of people, like they'll go on somebody's website And, um, they'll be like, okay, so like there's tarot and there's Ricky and there's this Mm -hmm. and there's that. And they start like, it, it almost, I feel like a lot of people have, um, trouble talking about like all of the things that they do, uh, because they're so like diverse, but I, can you maybe speak to, um, how like opening up and trying new things kind of like broaden your horizons and how maybe you like weave all of the things together when you're say working with someone? Oh yeah. I mean, I think 
partially it's my personality. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Libra. I'm an Enneagram seven. I'm an ENFP. Like I need a lot of things. I need to be doing a lot of different things. <laughs> and I'm very curious and eternally optimistic. And I just want to try everything and experience everything that there is. So partially that's like my personality. And I definitely am not facilitating everything I've ever tried that yeah. would be <laughs> like, my eyes are getting big just thinking about it. There's no way, but <laughs> Um, but I am facilitating the work that has been so powerful for me and that really, really changed my life at a deep level and facilitating work with modalities that I am in deep relationship with. And for a long time, I was doing like, you could book a breathwork session with me, or you could book a Reiki session with me, or just like do one thing. And that was fine, but I was really finding that like, that wasn't allowing me to be creative or bring forward like the fullest expression of what the work could be or help people at a deeper level. So I kind of did away with that. I was like, okay, we're not doing that, but we're going to do sessions where we can weave everything or anything together. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the work all feeds each other, you yep. know, like it all supports each other. We might pull cards and we start digging into a big block or a wound or something that feels really tight and really present and alive. And then we might want to take that into some breath work and we might want to massage open that feeling and have a cry. And then we might want to soothe with some Reiki, you know, like they all support each other so well, I think. And that's why I love working with all of them together. I know. I almost feel like, um, I did that too. I had all of them listed on the website and like, (laughs) and then I was just like, no, 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 you just get an hour of my time. (laughs) Yeah. There's this option or that option. And we're going to cherry pick, you know, like what's, what's going to be the right one to work with. Um, it's so much more expansive, I think, because we're not locked in. It's like, we can actually evolve as we are talking and moving through the experience to be like, Oh, this is coming up. I think this is actually what we need, which often I have no idea what people are going to need before we actually get into it. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this is what the thing is. And it's just, yeah, it feels like a more expansive way of working. Yeah. Like I know this amazing practice that'll really help with this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. So when did you, uh, you said you started getting into yoga in like college or Mm -hmm. yeah. And then that, that was what kind of opened you up and made you aware of everything that was inside. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It did. I mean, not everything. I still don't know everything that's inside, but it definitely started the process. Yeah. (laughs) We contain the mysteries of the universe. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But um, yeah, I find that like, I really interesting because I also, um, really felt like I knew what you were talking about when you said there was a lot that I had never felt like a lot of things in here that I never felt. And there's this like sort of curious relationship between, and I want to call it like Western society's focus on intellectualism (laughs) versus like the heart. So like thinking or knowing versus like feeling the thing. But then there's also things that like we kind of put away somewhere within uh, that aren't safe to feel. And there's like a whole range of emotions that as a society, we would also call not acceptable to feel or express. Like how many times uh, do we really let somebody cry in front of us without trying to stop them from crying, you know? Yeah. And so I'm curious, maybe when you started getting into that, like what started opening it up? Was it the breathwork part of yoga? Was it just the attention part of yoga? And how did you use the emotions or work with the emotions to create healing? Yeah. So I often say that even remembering how to feel has been a huge part of my healing journey. Um, because I learned at some point as a kid and I've like deeply analyzed this now. So I'm like, Oh, this is what was happening, but I had no idea. Right. Um, but I learned that I that it wasn't safe to feel. I learned that I wanted to align myself with my dad and reject my mom, basically, who is seen as someone in our family who is really emotional and that made her quote unquote weak, needing protection. And I really didn't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really wanted to be like my dad and have what I saw as independence and autonomy and being able to 
be respected really, which, you know, that's like really hurtful to my mom. And there's so much of patriarchy wrapped up in that. But um, that was when I learned like, okay, I can't feel my feelings. Like it's not safe to feel. Um, And I really, really cut that part of myself off and I felt really hard. I think that's why I thought, oh, I'm fine. Cause I wasn't really feeling anything. Um, And yeah, it wasn't so much what was it even about yoga? I think it was the first time that I had actually really held space for myself to be with myself and to breathe consciously. So it wasn't even specifically like breathwork practices in yoga or pranayama or anything like that. It was just like, oh, we're inhaling and we're exhaling, you know, like we're actually paying attention to our breath. Um, And I really think that just the practice of doing asana specifically helped me like move some energy and like open things up in that way. Um, Because there was a lot, (laughs) there was a lot that I had not felt, did not want to feel. And a lot of things started to make more sense. Um, like patterns that I felt in myself or fears that I had or things that felt really hard for me through starting to, yeah, work with yoga and meditation, things started to make more sense. And in the way that they opened me up to other healing modalities too, I'm grateful because yoga and meditation couldn't take me everywhere that I needed to go, which is totally okay. It's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's any one thing that can take me everywhere I need to go. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it definitely helped me start that process. And I mean, I would cry on my yoga mat all the time. Um, like I have a lot of memories of just crying, being in like a child's pose or being in like a, anything, pigeon, hippo, heart openers, all of those things. Um, and just like emotions started to kind of unlock, like um, get a little less tight in that way. That's so um inspiring to hear about. <laughs> I felt like, um, for me, it was the, uh, open heart meditations that Jack Kornfield mm-hmm. writes, like in, in like kind of that like Buddhist approach to it, like in the heart of yeah. compassion. But then when I started opening up to experiencing emotions, like the whole range and not like, it wasn't that I didn't have emotions before. It would just be like, immediately I would go into analysis with them. Like, why mm-hmm. am I feeling this way? Where did it come from? how do I want to deal with it? What's the best outcome for it? Like I can analyze my way through anything and then I'm not feeling the emotion anymore. I'm just thinking about it, but it yeah. was the, it's like the emotions are the pathway now that I use to engage with spirit that bring my intuition in. And yeah. so like opening that up opened everything else up too. And I'm kind of curious, like what sort of good things, <laughs> what sort of goodies <laughs> came along with doing this kind of work? Like, oh my God, what had I, I really feel like the entire life that I have now is thanks to doing this work. Um, I am myself. I, I think that's the best way to say it. Like I am myself and I get to be myself And I don't think I ever really was before. Mm. And I was, I was really scared the whole time (laughs) that I was going to be left. Um, And I was really used to hiding so that I could, you know, be okay. So that I could fit in all those things that are so normal and so human. And I really just wanted to be loved and to belong. And I feel like now I am so much more rooted in who I am and my, most authentic expression and I actually believe and know that I can receive love in that expression and in that self and I never believed that before (laughs) (laughs) that one I feel like is a continual unfoldment because I'm doing that now too I'm like okay now I'm expressing this part of myself and like teaching myself that like the world isn't collapsing in (laughs) you know like I'm not experiencing resistance or rejection in this element of me so like what else can I show more of or what else can I express more of or accept yeah that's such a good point because it is a process like there's new parts of ourselves like that we're finding all the time or that we're bringing to light all the time and then there's yeah there can always be those feelings of like well what this might be the thing that's finally too much (laughs) or this is the thing that I finally like I can't share um but I don't think it's about like never having those 
fears or those feelings. I mean, sometimes, of course, I'm still terrified. I'm not going to be loved regularly, but (laughs) I have, yeah, practices and tools to move through those feelings and to support me and to root back into what I feel is really true. I love that. I love that. And actually, I think that that's really like one of those big things that spirituality gives us. And at least this was the revelation for me. Uh, I came home one night from a meditation class and I just sat on the bed and I like cried with the dogs and I was like, I'm just so loved. (laughs) My husband was like, are you okay? (laughs) And I was like, and no one can take my peace from me. (laughs) It was was like that moment of recognizing like in our divinity and our spiritual pursuits, like in all of those things that like we are loved, but we are mm-hmm. love. And like, I mean, not to get into the, cause this is I one of those things that I guess you could say I get into my masculine and judge, but you know, the like, oh my God, everything is love and love, 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 love. <laughs> like that kind of annoys me a little bit, <laughs> yeah. but there's also a lot of like truth there in that like when you start reaching in and saying like what's here how can I be present with it and recognizing that like your whole on a spiritual level always it was just mm-hmm. such a happy feeling yeah how- that's so gorgeous I think we can use the like we can use the everything is love we are love to like totally spiritually bypass and do a lot of like really fucked up stuff and we can also use it to like root into ourselves and we can use it to orient towards more love for everyone more justice like we can I think it's true and we can use it in really harmful ways or really helpful ways (laughs) I think that's when I start getting judgy about that (laughs) yeah yes I mean and we need to judge it honestly (laughs) we need to like do something about that yeah nail on the head there I I love your activism. I actually had never, I didn't know that you had a um, Patreon. So uh, listeners, if you want to support Erin, she has, she has a really cool Patreon. Thank you. Reading through your philosophy there. And I was like, Ooh, activism. I love activism. (laughs) I'm like, I don't even remember what I wrote there to be honest, but, but definitely like creating a more just world is woven into my business practices and it's a really important value for me and I'm you know learning more ways to do that and more ways to work with that all the time for sure. So it sounds like your spirituality is really tied in with um, (laughs) self-awareness. Definitely yes (laughs) that's (laughs) a huge part of it yeah. How would you also kind of describe how you express or experience spirituality? Because I think also uh, your spirituality is also tied to your business. Yeah, that's such a good question. And I guess I have to be honest and say that the term spirituality is not even resonating with me very much these days. Oh, all right. Tell me, tell, um, tell us what you are resonating with. I am really resonating much more. And I mean, I have been for years, but much more with witchcraft and that perspective of, of really connecting with the sacredness that is here that is aliveness that is nature that is everyone around us that is our bodies that is our feelings that is our pleasure um all of those things and not worrying so much or thinking so much about I don't know what happens when we die or you know who's who's really out there up there like universe (laughs) I got like all those things it's like that's fine but my practice is really rooting into the sacredness and the holiness that is all around us that is this life you know that is our connection to each other and sunsets and what it means to be alive here so yeah that's (laughs) I forget what the rest of the question you asked was but that's like where I'm at with spirituality right now no I am so glad that you worded it that way um because it's kind of like a really interesting talking point right there's like a (laughs) difference between like mysticism and spirituality which is kind of like I when I feel into that what you're saying is there's like sacredness and there's holiness to everything and we're connected to it and able to engage in it which for me would fall under the category of mysticism and -hmm. spirituality is I think part of that but also like deeply connected to like 
what we would call religion, which is when we start assigning beliefs to spirituality, which comes from the like mystical, right? Like all, all of that yeah. connection informs what we call spirituality, which then we then assign beliefs to and call them religions or dogmas or whatever. And I really respect that you don't like the word spirituality <laughs> because, and I, I also dislike the word new age. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I I think it like lumps a lot of things together that don't necessarily like belong together. So maybe we could talk about it this way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when when you're um do you call it witching? Do you call it crafting? What do you call what you do? <laughs> like like the verb of yeah. being a witch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think of it as practice. practice. So my awesome. like my witchcraft practice or yeah. Um, yeah, existing as a witch in the world. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love the wording of that. Okay, so when you were making your practice or when you were forming how you're how do you inform your practice? That's the question I'm looking for. Yeah. So I mean my practice is really informed by my connection to self it's informed by my connection to the people in my life by my connection to nature and it really is about healing and it's about healing to open up to experience more of life not just healing for like I need to get an A on this project of healing or like <laughs> I need to like fix myself because I don't agree with that at all. I don't think there's anything wrong with me or any of us. Um, but I do think that like I shared what healing has opened up for me is that healing has helped me live more, helped me live a life that I actually enjoy and where I feel like I'm experiencing what it really means to be alive on this planet. And that's why it's so important to me because this time matters and it's short and it's long and it's sacred and like, I don't want to waste it, you know? That's so, I I am just reveling in how uh, aptly named your podcast Living Open is. <laughs> <laughs> life philosophy <laughs> but also I I mean I would even say like not only are you like doing that like just open to all of the sacredness that is but like enjoying it and having pleasure in it is like yeah. such a really um beautiful and a curiosity for it like a hunger for it is mm -hmm. also, I think, like something that's really beautiful about like your practice and your philosophy, if you could call it a philosophy, an, op an open <laughs> <you>. development of <laughs> an ever evolving. Yeah. Philosophy. <laughs> so, I think. Okay, I, I again, I want to come back to that, like where we were saying uh, the difference between like spirituality and like identifying as a witch or identifying as a like non-secular or non, because I think there's this really uh, big freedom in finally saying, you know, here are the definitions. Uh, here's what other people say it should be sacred or not sacred or how you should or shouldn't interact with it based on the mm -hmm. fact that it is spiritual or is sacred or whatever. <laughs> how did you start like unpacking that? And I also want to kind of pivot us back to this, like, I know that you said you started in um, evangelical Christian upbringing, like, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> which, which to me is the uh, like exact antithesis of like, quote unquote, you know, being a witch. Um, <laughs> or has, oh yeah, I'm like my parents are horrified. Don't worry, they're definitely horrified. <laughs> I, I feel like I probably do a lot of things that are really, really witchy, but I don't necessarily identify myself as a witch just because I like don't identify myself with anything currently. Like, yeah, a mix of everything, like what you're saying. But I, I know that if I said that to them too, I grew up Catholic and went to Catholic schools my whole life and like mm. all of that. My family is very Catholic. They, they would be like, you're a witch. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's been pretty much the reaction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that. It's dangerous. What's going to yeah. happen to your soul? <laughs> Literally, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I almost feel like 
um, those growing up in, in the Christian religion, which is also incredibly, um, colonistic in its desire to convert everyone and to like be right by, by making its beliefs spread, uh, mm-hmm. that there's like so much to sort of like unpack between like right and wrong. And then like how, how all of those rules affect how we actually connect to our own spirituality and to our body and things like that. So I'm wondering, yeah. uh, this is a two part question. How okay. did you, <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably forget the second part, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> how did you start unpacking that for yourself and um and then how how has unpacking that like freed you or opened you to live more open and to enjoy more things and how do you kind of like deal with or rectify in your for yourself some of the like things that would come up when you say like I I'm I'm rejecting these rules mm. Yeah, I think one of the things that growing up in such dogmatic religion gave me is an allergy to dogma. (laughs) So (laughs) I I was never interested in swapping out an old belief system for a new fully formed but different belief system. Yeah, that was never, ever, ever going to work for me. it really needed to be something that I could feel, that I could sense, that I could feel was right for me in my body at that time, at this time, at whatever time, you know, so that to say, like, it's evolving all the time as well. And so giving myself that permission to allow beliefs and practice to evolve feels so important and so necessary. And like you mentioned, like that right or wrong idea, I think binary thinking and unpacking the idea of like things either are or they aren't or they're this or they're that has been so huge for me to really embrace what I know to be true. Like I know binaries aren't it. I know in my body, there's a full spectrum on pretty much everything. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, giving myself that full permission to swim in those, like in those spaces of gray and figure out what's working for me right now, what I think right now and continuing to open to like, learn more and follow what I'm curious about. And I always say follow the threads, but that's what it feels like to like follow the threads of what is evolving. of like what might feel right for me in the future, like what I'm coming into. And I mean, for my own personal healing and (laughs) experience from Christianity, there's been so many layers and pieces to it. And I think it's true that all of the healing work I have ever done has been healing around religious trauma, even when I didn't know that or wasn't thinking about it that way. Like when I was healing around not liking myself or believing that I was worthy of anything, that's also rooted in my experience in religion, even though I had no idea at the time, I was like, this is just like something that's hard for me, or this is just like a wound that I have but that also came from being taught from a really young age, right? That like, we're not worthy. We are inherently broken, inherently sinful, inherently bad even. Um, And we're lucky that God loves us, that anyone loves us really. So yeah, that was a big piece of it. And I think another big piece for me has been healing around pleasure and sex and sexuality because yeah, (laughs) that is so woven into Christianity and purity culture. And that was a big part of my like middle school, high school experience was purity culture. And that was actually one of the things that also pushed me to really reckon with like, oh, I don't actually believe this. Like, I don't actually agree with this. I don't actually think that I'm going to be like a crumpled up piece of tape or like, I don't understand why these rules are here. Like what the big deal about marriage is like, even as like a 13 or 14 year old, I was like, I don't know. That just doesn't really check out. Like, this I don't some shit. <laughs> this is some shit. <laughs> um, I was like a little baby feminist, but um yeah so (laughs) but at the same time like oh sorry go ahead 
Oh no, I was straight up angry feminist. Like at like 12, I was like, why can't women be priests? Yes. Oh my God. That was so me too. (laughs) And like my frustration with that, like it was actually one of the biggest reasons why I started being like, this is some shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me too. I was like, wait, why is it the ladies in quotes who have to go get the food for everyone? Why is it the ladies aren't allowed to like preach? They have to only give their testimony. Like, what's up with that? Um, so yeah, yeah, I can, I can relate to that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like women aren't allowed to have authority in the church, or yeah. at least not in the Catholic church. I mean, Oh currently. no, definitely not in churches that I grew up in either. And they also had this big thing where they're really obsessed with, um, I mean, obsessed with gender norms, of course, but obsessed yeah. with this idea of like the man is the head of the household and women are equal, but they're second place. Like, <laughs> And I was just like, fuck that. Like, I don't, it's a no for me. (laughs) (laughs) But also Uh, it's not to say like that stuff still has a big impact, right? Like it's still incredibly toxic. And even if I'm consciously rejecting that, definitely my body holds hurt around that. And that's what I'm trying to say is that was, has also been a big part of healing around yeah, pleasure and sex and gender norms and patriarchy and queerness and all of that. Oh my God, yes, to like literally everything that you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I um yeah, where to even start here? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like even people listening probably have their own stories of things that they heard and and things that they were taught and stuff like that. And I like I will share this. I feel really lucky that in high school in Louisville, the um, Catholic high schools are uh, gender segregated. So you go to an all girls school or an all boys school. And for the purposes of that, I feel very thankful because a lot of times uh, the guys will step up and do the leadership roles and the girls will, Mm. and like, so we, we were the leaders. There wasn't anyone there to lead us. We, we were the leaders and like, we had the voices and we did the stuff and like, when we had masses, we were all the roles in the mass, except the, yeah. <laughs> you know, except the father. But like it, it was really, I think, good and healthy in, in that way. But also there was still that like indoctrination of like, this is pure and this is not pure and all humans are sinful, which I think if you, if you listen to it in one way, like we're all sinful and forgiveness exists, like meaning we're all going to feel shitty. Sometimes we're all going to do shit wrong. And like forgiveness exists. That's a great thing. But like, I think more often it's used to shame people and to control Mm -hmm. them. Like you have to do it this way or else you're sinning. Like, yeah. yeah. And so then it, yeah, we, we get into all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, the control piece is so huge. I was, talking with my little sibling who was like reading to me about like the qualifications for a cult like the bite model I think it is or whatever (laughs) and not to say I think Christianity is a cult but in the one category thought control I was like holy shit this ticks almost every single box like Mm -hmm. the control piece is so so huge and it's really important to like maintain maintain the religion Yeah. Well, but like also at the same time, like we want to be to, to like feel like we're part of a group. We want to be with people who are like us. Like, and so like, I understand from an evolutionary perspective that that's like all part of like our human wiring, but like there, I do think that there are uh, systems which exist, which oppress people (laughs) and oppress thinking and oppress pleasure in the world. And they, uh, anyway, one of them yeah. in my life at least <laughs> has come from that like uh kind of dogmatic background um there was something else that you said in there that I thought was like really beautiful and interesting oh that we are inherently bad uh yeah yeah <laughs> which is also like kind of a big thing to start like getting over And one of the things that I also thought spirituality was so perfect for um, at least the new age model or what I learned in those (laughs) courses was that idea that we are, we are God. Mm. 
And like, there's, there's a part of us that is spirit that is connected to God and is like total, like, and you can tap into that and know that you have inherent worth. And that was a kind of like a big turning point for me. How did you, how did you get here (laughs) to starting to (laughs) unpack these things? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think first I just want to say something else about the inherently bad piece, because that's something that feels really traumatic. And I think that that's a really hard thing to be teaching people to be teaching children especially like for those of us who grow up in these environments and we can't consent we don't have choice like to learn that about yourself I think is incredibly harmful and also I think it has a lot of implications for the connection that there seems to be slash is between Christianity particularly evangelical Christianity and Republicans, conservatism, like punitive culture, Mm -hmm. like the idea that like people are inherently bad. And so we need to control people, um, those kinds of things. So I think it has huge implications also for like creating a more just world. And so how did I get here? Yeah. (laughs) That's what you want to know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a lot of the process for me was around Well, I'll back up a little bit. I felt the things like threads started to fall apart for me when I wasn't allowed to question anything. Anytime that me or one of my siblings would bring like a question to the dinner table about like something we had heard in Sunday school or learned in the Bible or whatever that didn't feel right. Or we just had a question about it. And we're like, what's up with that? Like, does Mm -hmm. that really or like that doesn't really make sense. Um, We would get really shut down. And we would not get in trouble, but usually my mom would cry and my dad would get upset with us. So we really learned like, it's not okay to bring these questions. It's not okay for you to question things. It's not okay for you to think critically. And so I didn't stop questioning, but I stopped presenting those questions. I stopped asking them of my parents or other people. And I just kept thinking about them for myself and kept asking them for myself. Um, And I shared too, like the part of me that was a baby feminist and all of the really like (laughs) up stuff we were learning about sex and gender roles and none of that stuff sat right with me so then I just kind of moved into a like complete rejection of Christianity and I think it was like I have middle school journals (laughs) that I have access to now and I've looked back in them and seen my like seen parts of myself that were questioning earlier that were asking things like I don't feel anything when I pray. Like, do other people feel stuff? Like, am I supposed <laughs> to feel anything? <laughs> like, Why aren't my prayers being answered? Yeah, like, this isn't really making sense. <laughs> so just, like, a culmination of things. And so I just, like, completely rejected that religion but secretly (laughs) um (laughs) I didn't tell my family or my parents any of that which was for a very real reason that um I needed their support like I was still a kid I was in high school like I still needed their literal financial support and I was really afraid you know that they wouldn't like help me go to college or they wouldn't like let me do anything they would keep me at home for like years or whatever if I actually told them the truth and I still think I was kind of right about that so I kept it a secret and once I got off to college I was able to really explore and I did (laughs) I could not wait to get to college and drink and do drugs and have sex and all of the things that when you're a sheltered kid you can't do yeah exactly (laughs) I was like so excited for all those things um And I think that was an important time. Like, I don't have any regrets about that time. I think that was really important for me. But yeah, that practice of like returning to yoga and meditation that we were talking about, that really opened up a lot for me. And I mean, so many of the things that are like specific to working with my religious trauma that were really important were like helping my inner child establish safety. Mm. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. so important um reclaiming my autonomy and reclaiming my body 
were really important and moving a lot of the like stuckness and fear that I was still holding on to, like still being afraid a little bit or a lot sometimes of like going to hell, being Mm -hmm. afraid of like losing my family's love. All of those things um, were big parts of the process for me. And yeah, we can dig into any of those or all of those that you want. Yeah, that's huge. I actually felt like for a long time, even when I was experimenting or, you know, like learning things about different religions and spirituality and stuff, I was like super allergic to people using the word God. So I was like so sick of hearing that being used to control or shame or hurt people and like... Yeah. (laughs) Same. Anytime somebody would say that, I'd be like, (laughs) or like even in the spiritual community, when they talk about Christ consciousness, like I still have moments where I'm like, "Uh, uh," like, but I also can't with that phrase. I I know it's fine for other people, but for me, I, I just can't, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody has different, like (laughs) of how they like want to talk about it and think about it, but there I'm curious. So, um, so we've kind of talked a little bit about the the sort of like typical traumas that come along with uh, growing up in this kind of background. Like, but I, I'm really curious and interested in the fact that you sort of like tabled it all so that you could be safe. And then you, you know, like opened up, started exploring that sort of thing. Like, how did you get to the point where you're sharing it now? <laughs> you have a podcast, oh. <laughs> you have a very popular podcast, you have a website, like the works. I mean, your business is tied to this. So like, how yeah. did, how did you get yourself to the point where you were like, I, no longer am I afraid that I'm going to go to hell, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? but I'm also sharing this like beautiful healing work and this beautiful healing perspective with people. How did, how did you get yourself there? Yeah, I didn't wait until I wasn't scared anymore, I'll say. Wow. (laughs) Um, I would have been waiting a long time. I'd still be waiting, actually, if I was waiting until I wasn't scared anymore. I really started the podcast because I didn't have people in my life that I was really having these conversations with about healing, about spirituality, about witchcraft. And I wanted to be having those conversations. And I was like, oh, podcast seems like a cool way. To, and I was really into podcasts, listening to them at the time. I was like, that seems like a cool way to have conversations with people I really admire and like to feel connected to this community when I don't actually have that in my physical life right now. And so the podcast started, I didn't have a business at the time I was doing like freelance writing and digital marketing stuff. So I guess I did have a business, but a completely unrelated one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the podcast itself has taught me so much about vulnerability, about being seen, about sharing, about being in connection. And that's been huge. The podcast itself has helped me heal. Um, And it's helped me move through a lot of shame because I think talking about this stuff and talking about these things that we have gone through, that we are working through, that we think, that we believe, that we're exploring um, is a really helpful way to move through feeling shame, right? Brene Brown has all this amazing work about how shame thrives in like the hidden spaces. And when we keep it quiet and don't speak it and sharing it takes away its power. So yeah, the podcast itself was a healing journey, still is. And from there, I just, you know, I just started to like, I was healing. And so I was sharing about how I was healing and I was learning and training and facilitating work. And so I was starting to share about that. My work was mostly in person at the beginning um, of teaching yoga and like meditation and workshops and stuff in Philly. But then it just, you know, grew and evolved as everything does. And I grew and evolved and what I wanted changed. And yeah, sometimes I'm still like, shit, am I really going to talk about that? <laughs> but, <laughs> Here we go. Buckle up, buttercup. Yeah, we're going there. <laughs> we're going there. <laughs> and I will say sometimes I think about stuff that I maybe like shared in really early episodes and I just cringe. I'm like, oh, that's so embarrassing. But I'm like, whatever. Like. It. Yeah, yeah, that's life. That's I'm not going to pretend I haven't changed. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's just like part of the process. And when you're sharing work, like you're probably going to make stuff that you look back on and you're embarrassed about. <laughs> that's like normal. It's yeah. the, it's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Absolutely. It, yeah, but I also like seeing um, 
like progressions. I I don't like like whole polished things seem really impersonal <laughs> to me. And so yeah. I'm like, nah. but I, I've never I, known how to do that. I'm like, how do people make it so polished and perfect and <laughs> fully formed like that? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they hid all of the mistakes they make <laughs> going into that, or they hired someone who had already made all the mm. mistakes to polish for them. That there you go. <laughs> my personal opinion on that. <laughs> but then that comes back to it. And like, I have kind of like a, a thought to share and a question for you before, before I ask you more about the religious trauma thing. Sure. I feel like the idea of shame and of like having to be right or having to make ourselves right or having to make ourselves uh, like acceptable to quote unquote God or to quote unquote get forgiveness or to like, you know, be worthy of love or be worthy of connection or be worthy of our own spirituality is also like this like weird kind of, I want to call it like, like a, also like a colonist mentality, but it's this thing that also makes it so that like people who have grown up in the Christian church are really uncomfortable being wrong and Mm -hmm. like being messy And we even like kind of like vilify things that aren't like hyper polished or super perfect or like that, that have mistakes in them. And I, I think that like, but then it also is unhealthy because then you don't want to look at the mistakes either. Like you refuse Mm -hmm. to see them. You're like, no, I can't be wrong. (laughs) Yeah. It's super arrogant, right? Like (laughs) we know the truth over everyone else. Like we're right. It's super arrogant. Yeah, it is. It is. But then that like having to be right is like part and parcel of quote unquote being worthy. And so like also reclaiming that's really, I think, a powerful thing um, that that is part of what you're doing, too. So I kind of wonder if you can share a little bit or if you're comfortable sharing a little bit about like what kind of work um, is in your religious trauma booklet and booklet's not the right word. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that sounds really cute though. I'm picturing like an adorable little zine. (laughs) (laughs) It's a workbook, but yeah. (laughs) Maybe a cute little zine will come some other time. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I will be there for that. (laughs) yeah so in the workbook I kind of the way I went about it was just like taking every sort of topic that well not every because at some point I was like okay I've been writing this for almost a year it will never be done if I try and fit everything in it because it's just impossible (laughs) um but I guess the things that felt most important so I broke it down into like all these different topics that felt really important like conformity and sacrificing ourselves the ways that you know we're asked to conform to cut off different parts of ourselves like our queerness our angry feminist our wildness like those parts of our that don't fit in Mm -hmm. um sections on like deprogramming from hierarchical power structures and learning to trust ourselves over like when we've been taught to trust you know things outside of ourselves the bible the pastor the people who are in the faith who know Uh um and there's yeah sections on like processing experiences in religion like processing things that you went through reclaiming the body and working with pleasure specifically as like a way of healing and something that is important and really matters um judgment and inner child healing and punishments and rewards like thinking about the things that we the strategies that we learn to avoid punishments whatever those were in our religious family or in religious faith and like get rewards like going to heaven receiving love like unpacking those kinds of things and yeah, so it's pretty long. There's, there's yeah. a lot in it. Literally everything you said, I was like, yeah, I know about that. <laughs> yeah, I know about that. <laughs> I mean, as I was writing it, I'm like, I literally feel like it's going to take someone at least an entire year to work through this. If like you really like go into it, because I mean, the it, the work goes really deep, I think. 
Yeah. So can you talk like, uh, like what is the format of it? I mean, I know we said a workbook, but like, I don't know what people picture in their heads. So can you? you, (laughs) Sure. Um, So I had a graphic designer design it. So it's absolutely gorgeous. If I did it myself, it would look like trash. It would be so (laughs) ugly. But (laughs) so it's really pretty. First of all, (laughs) think like moody purple color scheme. Um, but the format is basically like it's full of each section will have like a reflection, like an introduction to the topic. Like, why am I talking about it? How is this part of religious trauma? Like, what are we healing around? And it's mostly work. Like, it's not like a book that you're going to just sit down and read. Um, it's a lot of exercises and things for you to actually do. So there's a lot of journaling prompts. There's some rituals. There's a lot of meditations and somatic exercises. And the reason I created it that way is because I've read books about people who are healing through religious trauma. And I think they're amazing. I love them. (laughs) I felt so seen by some of those stories. Um, But I really wanted to create something that people could feel like was kind of holding their hand through the process and actually support them in like the journey. And, you know, it's a workbook. So it's not like, it's like, I'm working with you one-on-one, like some things might not resonate. Some things might really resonate and be really powerful, but there are lots of different like tools and practices and lots of questions to support people in, yeah, unpacking and deprogramming and healing, which is a huge process and a lifelong journey, I think, I have found so far in my life. <laughs> yeah. Is this like a print workbook or is it a digital workbook? Like, it's is digital, there like room so. for people to like write in it? Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's digital and it's like one of those things where you can type in it and save it and all of that. I know some people have printed it out like with their printer and put it in like a binder or something, which I think is really cool, but um, you can definitely do that. But yes, it's digital and you can type in it as it is. That's so cool. And then do you like, so I have so many questions. So So for like the rituals and the somatic exercises or even the meditations, are there, are there like, are they recorded digitally or are they like written out and you guide yourself through them? How does that work? So they're written out and you guide yourself through them. Um, And yeah, I wanted to do it that way specifically because it's really important for me in all the work that I do. Um, But especially with this too, for people to know that like, this is a starting point, like you evolve the practice, like, you know, like, it can be intuitive, like the ritual isn't intended to be prescriptive, like you follow every step. It's like, you read like the sort of framework I've laid out what I'm sharing. And then you're like, oh, I think I want to do this here or like this feels really right to put it to do instead or, you know, it's not intended to be something that's prescriptive. And even that is an exercise in helping you trust yourself. That's what I was about to say. You're like literally giving people the power back on their spiritual practice. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but here's the cool thing. Experiment, see what happens. Yeah, like play with it. See what works for you. Um, I'm not telling you what's right. It's just an offering. Oh, I love that. I like that you called it an offering. What kind of, just out of curiosity, like what kind of rituals or what kind of, uh, yeah, what kind of exercises or somatic experiences can you maybe like give an example um, without sure. giving away free content? Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, it's cool. I'm like trying to remember what's in it. <laughs> I know there's some really cool rituals that I love so much that I put in the sections around pleasure and reclaiming the body. Yes. Um, and yeah, one of those rituals is one of my favorite things, which is really around like touching every part of your body and offering it love and holding it or reclaiming it in whatever way feels good. Like this is mine. Like this is me. Like my no matters. Like I get to decide um, those kinds of things, which yeah, has been really important for me as someone with religious trauma and also as a survivor of assault and violence. So um, the pleasure rituals are very, very close to my heart. And there are many of them. I also included a super witchy ritual with the devil card, which I was like, <laughs> is it taking it too far for people? I was like, they can opt out if they want, but I got to yeah. put this in here <laughs> around like taking your power back. <laughs> oh my God. 
I love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for seeing me. <laughs> I, I not only see you, but I thoroughly enjoy that you put that in there. <laughs> I was like, I have to. I, you <laughs> this is for to. you, mom. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I, I know my mom sometimes listens to this podcast. So Susie Schumann, I'm not trying to rat you out here, but... Um, <laughs> There was one time I was doing something my mom didn't approve, and she told me that I had gone over to the dark side. (laughs) Um. And and it was so perfect because I was like, there's empowerment and love here. (laughs) Actually, I'm the light side. You're the dark side. (laughs) But then, like, after that, (laughs) anytime I was, like, I go on as I as I told you before <laughs> when we were earlier. I was like, we're not going to get into all the things that annoy me about spirituality right now. But <laughs> I have a tendency to go on like feminist rants or like. <laughs> I mean, I'm totally here for it. I'm fully here for it. <laughs> Social justice rants and stuff like that. And so now it's like a joke between me and my husband because sometimes I'll be like saying that, <laughs> and he'll go dark side. <laughs> <laughs> And then thanks to Netflix, Sabrina, which a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about. So we're not going to go there. But like, (laughs) so now occasionally we'll be like, praise Satan. (laughs) Okay, I haven't seen, I haven't seen it, but I love this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, for for everyone out there listening, you can say what you want about like, like dogma and stuff like that but I what I really liked about that show was how um when when Sabrina was encountering like a lot of people trying to tell her what to do and like trying to force dogma on her she was really sticking in uh like her ideas about self-agency and it Mm -hmm. felt really powerful uh to me in that like way like that she would just like be like no and no matter how bad things got she wouldn't like give in she'd be like no like seriously my no was a no like <laughs> yeah and and so like I really like liked that and then also the like cheeky part of me that likes to put the devil card in a religious book <laughs> <laughs> cheeky I know it's also like finally allowing like a sense of humor and play and a little bit of sarcasm like back in a little bit of irreverence feels really healthy to me also oh, yeah. I and think play is so healing especially when you learn that like everything is this life or death huge deal and like you have to really be like thinking about everything you do not that we shouldn't be conscious of course we should be and that's important but that like every single thing even thinking and impure in quotes thought can have like huge consequences it's like to just bring some lightness and play feels so healing yes oh I forgot about the impure thought stuff yeah it's like even your thoughts can be sins (laughs) they're really wild over there (laughs) and we must eradicate them (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh my gosh so much okay so I love that you brought up play because I want to ask you a couple questions like at the very end yeah (laughs) like I also noticed that you're doing work with um like creativity yes yes can you can you maybe share a little bit about that too Yeah. I mean, what we were talking about, about the podcast feels really relevant to the work that I do with creative support now. Um, Just thinking about all the things that felt really hard for me, like being seen felt really scary. Imposter syndrome, being really afraid of like being rejected, not being liked, all those things. Um, And I started to see that come up a lot, like with clients I was working with too, and especially with people who were doing some kind of creative work or wanting to create like some kind of project or share something with the world, like a podcast or a Patreon or a book or like literally anything that's like something that you share. And so, yeah, I started specifically supporting people around creativity. And, you know, it's so interesting because I thought it was going to be a bit different than it was. It turned out it was really about, for so many people, it was really about inner child healing and much less about like sweet, sexy, creative rituals or like the really like fun, which I love as well. And like that can be part of it, but (laughs) it actually felt so much more about like healing inner child stuff around 
everything I was saying, being seen and imposter syndrome and all of those things. And yeah, working with a lot of wounds around, um, around those things. And I mean, I think sharing something creative with the world is just inherently vulnerable and it can be scary and bring up a lot. And so working through that stuff feels important. And I love, love helping people with it because I think creativity is so healing. I think sharing our authentic expression and being seen in it can be so healing. And I think it matters that we share the work that we want to make with the world. Like, even if we are scared, even if it feels really tight and tender, um, that like the world is so much better with our creative expressions and the things that are on our heart to make. So yeah, I love that work so much. (laughs) I know that made me really happy what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, um, Thank you so much for bringing all of your magic (laughs) to this interview. I am wondering if you would tell folks a little bit about where they can find you and and if uh, if they want to work with you, how they can go about doing that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Um, I'm on Instagram at Erin, E-R-Y-N-J underscore. And my website is living-open.com. That's where you can find all the stuff, the religious trauma workbook, the creativity work, the living open podcast. Um, and I also have a free meditation for ex-religious folks that you can find there as well. So those are the main places. That's so cool. And it's such important work. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was really fun. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, share today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for holding the space. Um, you asked such good questions. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sacred Adventure Begin. If you feel inspired by the conversations you were part of today, please consider joining us on patreon.com backslash getting into it with Emily and supporting the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. Membership and support starts at $2 a month and gives you access to teachings, episodes before they are released, and a platform to submit your questions for our guests. Thank you so much for being here. Know that I am sending you so much love, so much awareness, and so much self-acceptance at whatever stage in your journey you find yourself on today.